Hello, I'm Ellen Vince. Welcome to Impact, a podcast about how we can each bring about real change in the world and getting practical in making that happen. And hello, I'm Clive Johnson. A special welcome if you're listening for the first time and a big thank you to our new subscribers. Each week, we look at one aspect of how we can connect our hearts to offer healing for others with our collective intention, prayers and meditation, and talk about the critical happenings in our world that need our attention right now, some of which may not be making the headlines where you are. And in the news that we'll be focusing on this week, we go to South America to look at a long-standing conflict between neighbours Venezuela and Guyana. We also pick up on what's happening a week after a tsunami and earthquake hit Japan. And if you're a horse lover, do stay tuned because we have a lovely, wonderful, heartwarming story in our good news section. More on that later, but first to some news that's developing right now. Clive? And this is happening in the South American country of Ecuador, which on Monday, and we are recording today on the 10th of January, earlier this week, Ecuador declared a state of emergency. This followed the escape of uh, a dangerous narco boss, a drug cartel boss, which prompted um, unrest in prisons. He escaped from prison, uh, from a high security prison, supposedly, and there is now terror on the streets. The newly elected president of that country, Daniel Naboa, announced a 60-day mobilization of soldiers on the streets and in prisons. Uh, as a large manhunt began for Jose Adolfo Macheas, who's also known as Fito. And there is an overnight curfew that was also put in place. Now, in the past 24 hours, this has been a very rapidly developing story. Um, Yesterday, armed men invaded a TV studio in the coastal city of Gaia Aquil, Uh, This was the TC television studios where a live broadcast was in progress. They ordered the production staff onto the floor and the live feed was cut. Ecuador's police later said that they had arrested those who carried out this invasion and that members of that media company had all been evacuated and were safe. Situation, understandably, has caused fear among many Ecuadorians, people staying in their homes, chaos on the streets, people trying to leave the cities. And in these past two days, there have been several killings, including of police officers. There have also been many kidnappings. So it was quite right that the president uh, described this as a major crisis. And indeed, uh, since his initial declaration of a state of emergency, now he's calling it an internal armed conflict. And he has ordered security forces to neutralize criminal groups accused of spreading this reign of terror, this extreme violence in the South American country. And so now moving on to focus on our special topic for this week. And it's a pleasure today to welcome visionary physicist David Ash. He was born in the beautiful Garden of England, the county of Kent, uh, way back in 1948. He was the son of of a physicist who, at the very tender age of six, (laughs) when most of us were still learning uh, our first ABCs, David was learning about quantum physics. 
He was drawn especially to a theory in physics that we may well touch upon in, in just a moment that had particularly excited physicists towards the end of the 19th century, the vortex theory. And he's developed a lot of thinking uh, that built, builds on that, enhancing uh, that thinking whilst he was studying, um, firstly at Queen's University in Belfast and later at London University. He went on to present his work at the Royal Institution in London back in 1975, uh, the very podium where other great physicists had presented their theories, before embarking on a prolific writing and lecture career that has seen him travel the world. His many books include Myths in Modern Physics, Continuous Living in a Living Universe, and The Vortex Theory, a bridge between ancient yoga and modern physics. And among many other talents, David is also a very accomplished singer-songwriter and has recently launched his own podcast called The Open Way, which we'll talk about later. Welcome, David. I hope Thank I got this, this sort of sketchy background uh, more or less right. Uh, you have, indeed. It's lovely to meet you face to face. It is, uh, it is. Many years. It's been a while, hasn't it? And you're looking yeah. so well, I have to say. That's, that's really you. wonderful. So your fascination, as I mentioned, with quantum physics started really, really early on. From really quite an early age, you, you understood its potential to answer some of the, the really big questions, the, the sort of existential mm. questions that we have in life, understanding the nature of reality and so on. And this has really been a, a lifetime's journey. So what really got you interested when your, your father started, uh, started well, talking about these things? As you, so, as you pointed out, I did uh, start physics at a very early age. So by the time I got to 16, I, was, um, I had quite a good knowledge of, uh, of the subject and mm. of Albert Einstein and Rutherford and all the major players. And so, you know, I was familiar with E equals MC squared, etc. And when I read a book in Yogic Philosophy that the smallest particles of matter are vortices of energy, realized they came to this conclusion before Einstein. I thought, well, you know, if they realized that <clears throat> mass is a form of energy before Einstein, maybe their understanding of the way that energy forms mass mm. in terms of spin in the vortex could be correct. So I decided to apply myself um, to applying the, this vortex model at a subatomic level. Now, in the 19th century, the British physics was dominated by a theory called the vortex atom. Uh -huh. And Lord Kelvin, the sort of the major physicist at the time, J.J. Thomson at Cambridge who discovered electrons, uh, James Clerk Maxwell, a lot of these major players um, went along with the idea that the, the basis of matter was a vortex in the ether and the basis of light was a wave in the ether. Although the ether has been dismissed um, <clears throat> by modern physics, the idea of a wave of energy and a wave and a vortex of energy is two basic forms of energy uh, setting up matter and light um, I, I, is what I go along with. The, vor the vortex atom idea was dropped at the turn of the 20th century because it didn't explain many properties of the atom, but I realized they'd applied in the 19th century they thought the atom was the smallest particle of matter uh -huh, yes, now we yes. realize subatomic particles but nobody thought to apply 
the vortex idea to um, subatomic particles. And uh, so that's what I've spent my life now, doing. That's really what, what you've, you've actually pointed out, isn't it? And, and as you say, focused on and, and appreciated. Mm. Do you have any, any thoughts as to why those physicists, the, you know, the, the ones that are getting very interested in the nature of waves and quantum mechanics in the 20th century? Well, there was a yeah. massive mistake early. There were some pretty massive mistakes in quantum mechanics. And what happened is that the, a sort of you like a bandwagon got going. This chap, Niels Bohr, mm -hmm. was determined to, who, he applied the quantum theory that that Einstein is responsible for. The quantum idea, it's interesting, the, the term quantum was coined by um, Hermann Helmholtz, mm -hmm. a German medical doctor and sort of amateur physicist, a bit like my dad. And he, he, he also, he, he originated the vortex idea. So uh -huh. the quantum idea and the vortex idea came from the same great mind. Mm. And then the Victorian scientists seized upon the vortex idea and Lord Kelvin was saying that, you know, the matter is the, is the vortex motion and light is based on the wave motion. Then at the turn oh, of the sorry, 20th sorry. century, um, it, it was th th there was this issue of wave particle duality of where the scientists realized that particles behave like waves. In other words, an electron moves in a wavy line. And so um, people like Louis de Broglie and some of the founding fathers of qu quantum mechanics um, decided that there's just one form of energy, which is the waveform, and it explains matter as well as light. That's a massive mistake. And mm. trying to explain everything in terms of the waveform of light has led to incredible complexity in physics. It's, it's unbelievably difficult to understand because they're all off track. And what happened is that they dismissed the British initiative. It all went across to Europe. And there was this team in um, Copenhagen led by um, Bohr, Bohr, and they were determined to seize the initiative. So they gained massive, they gained huge momentum for quantum mechanics, mm. and they based it all, all on probability and uncertainty. And even Schrodinger, Owen Schrodinger, who is responsible for the probability side of quantum mechanics, was uneasy, as was Albert Einstein, of building the whole of physics on uncertainty and probability. And actually, part of my work is I've discovered through the vortex theory that there's a, a, a huge flaw in quantum mechanics in terms of uncertainty. I've actually used the particle that physicists used to detonate weapons of mass destruction to wipe out the uncertainty principle. Mm. And, 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 and the whole of quantum mechanics crashes. And the point is, I'm going further. I, in my new book here, Super Energy and the Quantum Vortex, which mm. I've got here, there's a chapter called Quantum Fraud. In fact, I'm accusing the physicists of a cover-up. I'm accusing them of fraud. In 1935, James Chadwick, of the Cavendish Laboratory of Cambridge discovered the neutron, which is the detonator of nuclear weapons, all right? Mm -hmm. And that particle disproves the uncertainty principle. And so it's almost like divine retribution that the nemesis of physics lies in the particle they've used to create weapons of mass destruction. Yes, yes. You've all seen the film Oppenheimer by now. I hope you have anyway. Mm. Wonderful film, wonderful film, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yes. very revealing. 
Mm. And as you say, Einstein was uncomfortable with what was going on in Copenhagen. Oh, very much so. But when there is this momentum, as it were, and be it in physics or mm. in any discipline, and mm. a bandwagon is, is rolling, as it were, it's quite, quite hard to, um, to distract, isn't it, very often? Yeah. And the thing, the problem I have in this book, I mean, most of this book is on super energy, which is the supernatural. Mm -hmm. The problem I've got is that the amount on the quantum vortex is about that much. It's not really much of the book at all. There no, we are. That's the no. beginning of the quantum vortex. It's very little book. It's, it's so simple. It's hard to write a book on the subject. You can teach it in a few pages. So the thing is, the whole of physics is explained with so much simplicity. You can teach it at primary school. You don't need a degree. You don't, you know, you don't even need to get your 11 plus. How, I mean, in a nutshell, again, how, how if it's possible to put it in a nutshell. Um, yeah, it is. Briefly. Very simple. Um, how it can is. we explain it? right away. <laughs> so I can see you have a ball of ball. Yeah, I have a ball of wool. This mm -hmm. is the model. The universe is formed of spinning light. So the light, it's a, this is very much a woolly theory or a string theory. Yeah, <laughs> yes. String theory is based on the idea of vibrating strings. Well, I say, yes, light is vibrating strings, but matter is spinning strings. And if you take a string, think about energy. It has no mass and no substance. Energy is more like a thought than a thing. So if you want to grab grab energy grab a dream i mean mm. can you give substance to a dream no you can't yes yes and the whole nature of re quantum reality is more dream more active imagination more thought than thing mm. which is why you can't have thought without a great thinker bingo in comes god yes <laughs> yes <laughs> not the god of the old testament not some mm. bloke who when you get blokes turning up you, you don't know who they are where they've come from making all sorts of outrageous claims so you've got to be I, really careful of some of these yeah, these yeah. old tribal gods yeah you know? I, i've so, actually so, just been listening to to the latest episode of your podcast we'll, we'll come back to that later and you, you you talk about that as well don't you the external yeah realm. that's the you know yeah. extraterrestrials and all that yes no we're talking about the supreme universal consciousness which brings everything into being and this mm. is where i talk about it in the open way this consciousness is indivisible it imagines everything into reality. So we're in, I tell you who's got it right, not the quantum physicists, but the Aboriginal Australians. Mm -hmm. And as you, as you said very early on, uh, you know, the yogis millennia ago. Yeah. They, they had, yeah. So they had, uh, basically realizes. everything is a consciousness. So this supreme consciousness, the interesting thing is the quantum nature of energy. Energy is the imagined reality. So the consciousness imagines particles of energy ad infinitum. But the consciousness behind the energy is one. Mm. So energy is divided, consciousness is one. You see, so the thing is that you can't divide consciousness. So, Clive, you're looking at me through the screen, I'm looking at thee, and hopefully a lot more people will be looking and listening. But we're all the same essential being in the many bodies. So, the human being, we're the one being in the many bodies, the one consciousness behind the whole universe, the one consciousness underlying the frogs and the trees and the spiders as well as us mm, mm. so you must meet it with your cats when you're house sitting i mean they're smart aren't they they are they are absolutely <laughs> <laughs> i think they have a I lot mean, more wisdom than i do very often <laughs> they used to be worshipped as gods you know so the thing is there's that one consciousness imagining so we are expressions of that consciousness that one consciousness uh -huh. 
So when I hurt you, I hurt myself. When I love you, I, I love myself. So, you know, you are another myself. That statement is because we're, it's the same essential awareness, the same beingness behind the eyes, behind the ears in us all. So that's one of the conclusions that comes out of this model because what I do with this model is this, the subatomic particle is spinning light. And when you spin the, the this, this line of energy, mm -hmm. it's free to spin on multiple axes and it just forms a ball. There's your corpuscular subatomic particle, electron, proton or neutron. And this Twice is the model of the universe, isn't it? Essentially, every, yeah. every cell in the body, and uh, you know, every yeah. solar system. And the, and... The, the, the whole of the universe is based upon this. So this is real quick physics, yeah. Mm. Basically, the center of the vortex is a subatomic particle, but the extension of the vortex into infinity is space. In other words, matter is the vortex energy we perceive. Space is the vortex energy beyond our perception. When he was asked to put his theory of relativity in a nutshell, Einstein said that move matter and you also move space and time. So you mm. move the vortex, you see? Mm. You're moving uh, the space. So in that... Then you've got a vortex. Do you, want some, do you want the general theory of relativity? Explained simply, that's the sun. There's the spheres of space, which are extensions of the sun. Extending the shape of the sun is spheres, and the light goes round when it comes into the space around the sun. The starlight goes round like a car going around, around, roundabout. That's why the Royal Society discovered when they were looking into Einstein's general theory of relativity. Oh, good heavens, the starlight goes round the sun, doesn't it? Mm. Curves around, just like Albert said. But it's not because space is distorted by mass, which is what Einstein said in his general theory of relativity, is because space is an extension of mass. So I explain everything in physics, but in a different way. Mm. So I've just blown out the general theory of relativity. Bang! Wonderful. And as you say, it, it's done in a number of pages. In, 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 yeah. In, in we can use the vortex to explain away materialism. Three-dimensional extension. Mass is set up by spin. The stay-put inertia of mass. You know, go out and kick a rock and see what it feels like to your toe. It's massive, isn't it? It mm, stays put. Mm, mm. It's because it's made of trillions of little whirlpools of light. There's nothing there. So that that is always the... <laughs> when we, we, we start talking about this, the, this sort of nothingness of matter, essentially, it's, it's kind of what I and I guess a lot of people find very hard to understand. If you go and kick a rock, you get hurt. Yeah. Um, it feels solid. It feels... Mm. Um, genuine. How, 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 how can that be explained? If, if... Well, it's explained in terms of, very simple, in terms of vortices. These vortices are dynamic and therefore as they extend into infinity, they interact. And so electrical and magnetic interactions, electric interactions are the vortex energies is, is coming out of a single point, forming positive charges mm -hmm. like protons and going into the center of the particle to form negative charges like electrons, okay? Mm -hmm. Where do they go? Well, it goes into the center and comes out as a positively charged electron. It just goes yin-yang, you see? It's very simple. Mm -hmm. So the universe is divided into two halves, matter and an uh, matter half and antimatter half, and it, it's a looped symmetry. They, the whole thing is connected. So the energy goes out and then flows in again and then comes out okay and i use that flow to explain gravity mm. and in my explanation mm. of gravity i prove that both einstein and newton are equally right 
mind yeah, blowing. This, this is integrating, bringing everything together. But what happens with these electric forces of charge and magnetism? Magnetism is when the vortex turns round. So these spheres of energy are turning round like a roundabout. But ch electric charge is where they're expanding or contracting. You see. So if they're both expanding, they're going like that. If they're banging against each other, which sets mm. up repulsion, uh -huh. if one is contracting and the other is expanding, look, they go together. That sets up attraction. Mm. So easy. Mm. Anyone mm. having a hard time? We're halfway through physics. <laughs> Where's your PhD? <laughs> I hope you've got your 11 plus. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's a joke, isn't it? it's so I simple. don't think this was in my 11 plus. <laughs> I mean, it's so simple. So what happens, Clive, is that these vortices in atoms, what happens is the electrons orbit the pro protons, and then the electric charge interactions set up solids, liquids, and gases, you see? Mm. So what we're experiencing, when you're kicking a rock, you're kicking electric charges. The solidity is set up by forces, electric forces. Yeah, amazing, so amazing. This, 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 this is this is it's so simple. It, so the thing is, I can explain. Look, I've just explained gravity, electric charge, magnetism, inertia. Richard Feynman says the laws of inertia have no known origin. Well, I've just told you the origin spin. Hmm. Richard Feynman said nuclear energy. We have the formulas for that, but not the fundamental understanding. We don't know what it is. Great. Are you ready, folks? Here we go. First of all, we explain the big, big issue of wave particle duality the vortex is like the ovum this is subatomic sex now this is going to get the juices moving <laughs> so the waveform of energy light is like sperm and it goes into the female form of energy so light is like matter that's why physicists believe there's only the waveform of energy because in the talmud it says we see the world not the way it is but the way we are so all they can see is sperm you see but they completely override women, don't they? You know what I mean? Women have been sidewalled in all mm, societies mm. forever, not until now. This is the time of the women coming back, the time of women coming into their power, because the vortex, the spherical vortex, is just like the ovum. It's the feminine form of energy. So women, grab this physics and run with it, because this is your power. And what happens is the waveform of energy comes in, penetrates, it fertilizes, the, the, the vortex form and pushes it forward in wave motion, which means the electron moves in wave motion because it's got a wavy tail like a tadpole because the, the, the amount of energy spinning is quite small with an electron. And so it doesn't have the inertia to resist the push of the quantum. So just the tip gets tangled in and pushes the whole system forward. Okay. Hmm. You've got that. That's wave particle uh, duality explained. I, I now, Richard uh, Feynman said of nuclear energy, we have the formulas for that, not the fundamental understanding. Okay, stand by. Are you ready to get the fundamental understanding of nuclear energy? Okay, you ready, yes, Clive? Yes, I, Here I'm, we go. I'm definitely. With the proton, which is very much more massive, nearly 2,000 times as massive as the electron. In other words, there's 2,000 times as much energy spinning in a proton than in an electron, it's got sufficient stay-put inertia to withstand the impact of a quantum of energy, because energy is quanti quantized. Albert Einstein, it occurs in packets, okay? So a single quantum comes in, and this stays put, and 
it goes right in, it disappears. So the vortex, the proton captures energy. Imagine you're hammering nails in, into a sheet on a washing line. Mm -hmm. The sheet keeps going ahead of the hammer blows, doesn't it? Very difficult to get the nail into the sheet. However, if you start hammering a nail into a gatepost, it goes in nice and easy because the gatepost stays put. Exactly. So the proton stays put, absorbs all the energy, so protons are full of captured energy, which adds to their mass. This is called the meson. Now you get one proton and it collides with another proton with an enormous force. They converge and some of the captured energy is squished out, pushed out. But most of the captured energy is swells between them now, binding them together. The pushed out energy as they come banging in together in the nuclear explosion, that's nuclear energy. Mm. And the strong nuclear force is the swirling energy left behind that binds them together. So mm. we've explained the strong nuclear force, we've explained binding energy. We've, I, I mean, and how long has it taken us? How long are we into this? Five, ten minutes, is it? Quarter of an hour? Exactly, exactly. And from what, what you, you see is going on in, in physics at the moment? Uh, too much complexity. What, what, what um, Max Planck said is that science progresses from funeral to funeral. He said so you, uh, a new scientific idea doesn't get established by converting the scientists of the day so they see the light because they ain't going to be converted. Mm -hmm. No, it's because they die and a new generation comes along that's familiar with the ideas. So my job is to get into the primary schools and start teaching this stuff to the kids. Wonderful, wonderful. If they let me in, which I doubt they will. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. No, my I, I mean, your way of explaining as well. Out. Sorry. The book, the book is wonderful. But I mean, your, your way of explaining the analogies that you have, I, I think this is, is perfect for any audience. And, you know, mm. you're, you're going to really be a star. I, I use a hedgehog analogy for nuclear energy. A hedgehog? Yeah, the kids will love this. Hedgehogs are covered in fleas. So the proton is the, 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 the hedgehog, okay? Uh -huh. The fleas are the captured energy. Oh. Now, hedgehogs don't invite fleas, do they? The fleas just jump on board. So it is the vortex does nothing to pull in the, the captured energy. The captured energy drives into it. All she does is she's irresistibly attractive. Yes. He's the one who drives into her. You see? Yes. So the point is that the hedgehogs got this population of fleas. If you slam two hedgehogs together so their prickles converge, there's less room for fleas. So some of the fleas are evicted. That's the nuclear energy. Meanwhile, most of the fleas that are left behind hop from hop, hop, hog to hog, binding them together. That's the strong nuclear force. Wonderful, wonderful. This is going to be a wonderful direction to, to go, I think. I, as you were talking, I, I was thinking of a, a book that I read. In fact, I, I met him and uh, actually had a brief chat with him and about the book a few years ago, Rupert Sheldrake, his well-known book, um, The Science Delusion. And ah. he, he's a bit like you. I mean, he's a someone that has, um, in his case, he was a biologist and uh, interested in uh, a kind of unseen field, uh, intelligence that gives um, organisms their sense of how they should grow and so on, um, so-called so morphic resonance. But 
he's founded oh, really and he was like. yes, yes, yes. he was a i mean he was a professor at cambridge i think and and even it was towards the end of his normal career that he started putting these <laughs> forward because he said i you know I, I just would have been laughed out of town because of this so-called science delusion to get your paper reviewed peer-reviewed yeah. accepted it's kind of can't be too radical really it's got to be totally no, proven that's in it. the laboratory that's it and if it's really against current conventional thinking um you, you know you, you've got a you've got a very hard job getting it getting it proven mm, mm. so uh, yeah you know thomas kuhn says this truth has got nothing to do with what is it's got everything to do with the consensus opinion of the establishment yes 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 indeed so energy in a nutshell what is energy energy is a thought form in my view mm -hmm. the particles of energy to have the forms that they have because that is the way they imagine to be in other words the supreme consciousness the source of all just simply imagines uh spin and imagines uh undulation and th these two forms then get in together and I think the one mistake Einstein made is to say that God doesn't play dice. I think it's through dice that God plays. I think randomness is vitally important in terms of freedom of expression. And f you know, that's the wonderful thing about the universe is anything mm. can happen because mm. it's of this freedom. It's not predetermined. And, and the human experiment is so exciting because we're given so much freedom, mm. given freedom mm. to blow ourselves apart. And, yeah, you know, right. I mean, you know, I've just been, I'm just reading this, this book all about, um, you know, it's all about the insanity of Adolf Hitler. And I was blown away when I realized the Jews were just where he was starting. He planned mm. to do the Catholics next, get rid oh of the goodness. Catholics and get rid of all the old folk. He was going to go on and on exterminating people until he just about wiped out the whole of humanity. I mean, it's terrifying. It's mm. absolutely terrifying. Do you know, I think that the man of the century shouldn't have been Albert Einstein. It should have been Winston Churchill. We as a, as a species, as a race, have no idea of how much we owe to that one man. There's one man who stood up against Adolf Hitler mm. in the darkest hour. Yeah. I mean, if we'd gone along with Halifax and old King Edward or the Eighth or something like that, if, if that man, Hitler, hadn't been stopped, it would have been horrendous for the whole of humanity not just the jews mm. so you know the thing is that when you think of what single individuals can do it's absolutely terrifying and that is free free choice that's free will and that's all due to we can't blame hitler we can blame him but actually it's the 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 selfishness and the brutality of the Treaty of Versailles. I mean, this this is an area, perhaps, I, I mean, if, if, if you're happy at some point to, to come back, I, I personally love to explore is the idea, mm. of, I'm using the biblical term here, and I, um, if that's okay, um, in the beginning was the word, yeah, uh, which I interpret as the vibration, the, yeah. um, the deep origin of um, mm. potential. And how that gets through uh, actually comes through into our consciousness and how we we use our free will this is what you know intention <laughs> our focus in, in our podcast is is very very interested in so, so maybe at some point if you're happy we can come back and i'd love to i'd love to you more. know what i reckon clive is god got bored you mentioned being just one <laughs> <laughs> all the love in the universe well, is so boring yeah if you so, get into a lot of the esoteric uh kabbalah for example this this yeah. seems to be so uh, I, I i think he set us all up to, to entertain for entertainment and the point is you see if 
if, if it's like a movie <clears throat> with the actors, with the producers, with the script writers, with also the audience. And the thing is that if it was all Mary Poppins, it would be terribly boring. But because it's <laughs> it's got the villains, the baddies, and it's got cliffhangers, you know, yes. that thing about Hitler versus versus Churchill. It was such a cliffhanger, just two men battling it out. Yes. <laughs> With their wills, you know. You need and, the darkness and, on the line, don't you, as well? Absolutely. God, it's the whole universe it. hanging in the balance, you know. Yes. That's thrilling. That's excitement. Now God's at the edge of his seat. It's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I love, I, I, I often like to think of myself as being an embodiment of God's ability, if you like, or the divine's ability within to live and breathe through an experience and enjoy yeah. and sometimes, you know, to cry and, and to, to have all these, there's these amazing range of experience, as you say, without, without them being predetermined either, actually, you know, the, the ending isn't, yeah. uh, isn't yeah, written, yeah. you know, um, uh, current Yeah, none of us need be too perfect. Mm. No, no, exactly. At least, uh, at least for now. You're listening to Impact, a podcast for anyone who believes in making a difference in the world through prayer, healing, and sending intention out into the world. Join us as we focus attention on where healing is needed right now. Together, we change our world. So turning to our featured story this week, and we are staying in South America to look at a long-standing dispute between two neighboring countries, Venezuela and Guyana. Yes, I learned a lot about this situation. Thank you, Clive, for bringing it to my attention because I was not aware of what was happening. And I know your country is getting involved. So um, it's it's heating up, isn't it? Um, it is. Venez yeah, Venezuela and Guyana are disputing a claim to Esequibo and I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, which is a 160,000 square kilometer or 62,000 square mile border region that's generally recognized as part of Guyana and which is mineral rich territory that accounts for two thirds of Guyana and lies near big offshore oil deposits. I really encourage you to pull up a Google map of this if you can to, to really get eyes on what we're talking about. Um, the dispute has been going on for over 100 years. Venezuela says it was the victim of a land theft conspiracy in the 1890s when Guyana was a British colony and arbitrators from the US, Russia, and Britain decided the border. An international tribunal eventually drew up the border between the two South American nations in 1899. Venezuela also argues that an agreement among Venezuela, Britain, and Guyana signed in 1966 to resolve the dispute effectively nullified the original arbitration. Guyana maintains the initial accord is legal and binding, and in 2018 asked the United Nations top court, the International Court of Justice, the ICJ, to rule it as such, but a decision is years away. Mm, always the case, isn't it? Very slow moving in the courts. But recently, tensions have been really ramping up between the two countries over the territory, and this particularly was coming to a head in December last year. The background, as Ella mentioned, uh, is the discovery 
um, back in 2015 of major oil uh, deposits offshore in this disputed area. Um, they were discovered by the huge petroleum company ExxonMobil. A consortium led by the company began pumping oil uh, two or three years ago, which has actually completely changed largely a country that whose economy was based on farming into the world's fourth largest offshore oil producer, generating last year alone over $1 billion. So this relatively poor country of around 800,000 people suddenly has seen its economy grow and is looking to grow further as it makes licenses available as opening bidding, I should say, for additional licensing to explore and exploit oil in that area. At the same time, whilst Guyana has really been benefiting from this, Venezuela has been facing a very long-standing recession. Its GDP back in 2020, uh, 2022 had shrunk by 80% over eight years of recession. It does have a strong oil industry, but it's been crippled by mismanagement and also severe economic sanctions that have been imposed on the country by the US and, and other Western nations following the election, um, what was widely assumed to be a fraudulent uh, one election by the current incumbent president, Nicolas Maduro. So uh, in Venezuela, there is um, understandably, I guess, some jealousy, and this is being seen potentially as an opportunity to boost support ahead of what this year is an election year in the country. Last December, Venezuelans held a referendum over whether or not to claim sovereignty over Esquibo. Uh, and perhaps not surprisingly, President Maduro got the victory that he wanted in that referendum. But again, actually, how many people turned out is widely disputed. Guyana, meantime, has said that its borders are not up for discussion. So with an election year in Venezuela, the conflict potentially being used by Maduro as a distraction from domestic problems, Washington has actually scaled back the sanctions, uh, conditional here on a free and fair vote in those elections. And in fact, Maduro's main rival, just to complicate things, Maria Corina Mercado, is currently disqualified from holding public office over alleged corruption, although again, that is disputed. So where are we now? In a meeting last month, the Organization of American States said that the 1899 boundary is in force and legally binding on all parties under international law. The organization added that it was profoundly worried about the situation, which has escalated to a point of significant concern for regional security and constitutes a matter that threatens the stability and territorial sovereignty within our hemisphere. The Caribbean Community, or CARICOM, an organization of 15 nations and territories, also sides with Guyana in the dispute, saying the 1899 decision definitely settled the boundary. And as 2024 began, Guyana gained a potential diplomatic advantage over Venezuela by joining the UN Security Council. It began a two-year term on the 15-nation council last Tuesday, beside fellow newcomers Algeria, Sierra Leone, Slovenia, and South Korea. Meanwhile, 
In late December, the UK sent a warship to patrol Guyanese waters in a show of diplomatic and military support. In response, Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro said that his country's armed forces would now kick off their own military exercises, calling it, quote, a joint action of a defensive nature in response to the provocation and threat of the UK against peace and sovereignty of our country. Last week, Venezuela said it would keep deploying 6,000 troops nationwide until the British vessel leaves Essequibo's coastline. However, military confrontation appears unlikely for now. International security firm Global Guardian said it would be nearly impossible to invade the entire Essequibo region, which is vast because it lacks roads and is sparsely populated. And then on December 14th in St. Vincent, Guyana, and Venezuela signed an agreement promising not to use force and to continue dialogue in its dispute. The two countries said that they will not threaten or use force against one another in any circumstances and will refrain, whether by words or deeds, from escalating any conflict or disagreement. The joint statement said disputes will be resolved in accordance with international law, though it noted that Maduro's government does not recognize the ICJ. The two countries will continue their dialogue in Brazil within the next three months, the statement added. Let's hope so. Absolutely. And as as you were saying earlier, Ellen, just actually it is worth doing a quick Google search to actually look at the area we're talking about. It is a massive area that is under dispute well over half the territory of Guyana, so um, and certainly a very large maritime uh, area as well, which is disputed. Quite worrying, the, um, the military, I guess they are war games, uh, shows of, of strength rather than hopefully something that's really going to turn into real conflict going on there. It happens that my beloved country <laughs> has another dispute with... Uh, <laughs> Um, over territory with a uh, with a newly elected uh, Argent- Argentinian president uh, who has uh, said uh, that the Malvinas, the Falkland Islands as we call them in Britain, are Argentinian. But again, uh, he's not suggesting that military action is uh, imminent. So our suggested focus for intention this week, and we're, we're taking the words here of United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres who urges both parties to demonstrate good faith and avoid any action that would aggravate or extend the controversy. The intention we suggest holding, especially between our episodes this week, is that we will, that Venezuela and Guyana, will make good their agreement last month to avoid military action or any escalation of their dispute over Esquibo. May it be so. May it be so. So other stories that have caught our attention this week. A reminder not to forget last week's news, and that's something we're, we're very, very strong on, really, just to keep things in, in mind that perhaps were being headlined uh, a few months ago. This one, very recent, back on New Year's Day, the massive uh, magnitude 7.6 earthquake that hit the western coast of central Japan. The death toll there now has jumped to 161, and 100 people are still missing as snow continues to complicate relief uh, efforts. Many people remain cut off from water and electricity. 
and close to 30,000 people are staying in government shelters, where it said there is insufficient water, electricity, and heating, many sleeping on cold floors in what are freezing temperatures. It's been very difficult for rescuers to get through into the worst affected areas in in the Noto Peninsula in Ishikawa Prefecture, where since the the, uh, earthquake alone, there have been an estimated 1,000 landslides, which continue, these landslides continuing, and also the snow is hindering efforts. Remarkably, though, one woman in her 90s who had been trapped for five days under the rubble was rescued earlier this week, giving hope that other survivors may yet be reached. Wow, that's wonderful. That piece, that little tiny piece of news is... It's incredible, isn't it? Is Yes, yes. Incredible. So I have a good news story that's based in Michigan, not too far from me, um, about a apparel company that is specifically hiring individuals who have been impacted by incarceration and their families. So as you hopefully remember from the episode um, where we talked a little bit about me, I am passionate about the this population of people who have been incarcerated and, and helping them make new lives. So this is not necessarily a new company, but it's, it's newly being reported that Everyone Collective um, is providing healing and community and resources to those who have been affected by incarceration. The company opened its first brick and mortar store last October in Grand Rapids, Michigan, as I said, and it offers signature clothing designs and custom screen printing and a gathering space for customers and supporters. The company pays above living wages provides free health care and life insurance, uses sustainable materials, offers unlimited paid time off, and features the art of incarcerated artists. And as you probably know, in the U.S., nearly 2 million people are incarcerated. And when they're released, they often struggle to find employment, health care, nutritious food, and housing. And um, they also need time off to um, go to their appointments, their probation and things like that. And that can, uh, that can be a very limiting and difficult factor for them as they move forward. So we might will that more companies follow Everyone Collective's example in offering ex-cons who've served their time a fresh chance to build their lives. Mm, absolutely. They've served their time and many are... Yes very committed to going straight, as it were. I'm, I must say that I've, I've thought from time to time, if I was uh, a tycoon running many businesses, I would purposely, I think, want to encourage ex-cons <laughs> yes. to, yeah. to come and work um, and give them encouragement and support, um, and certainly not to discriminate, which seems sadly to be the way with many HR departments. You know, you have a criminal record. It doesn't matter if you've been through a uh, rehabilitation and what your crime was. Sorry, you're not even going to be considered for a role. I really wish that would change. There's so many hurdles once you are released from prison um, and so many factors people don't think about that they have to overcome 
in order to succeed. And we don't make it easier for them. No. At least in the United States, we don't make it easier for them. And I, and as you say, I'm not sure if I were released from prison, if I would be able to overcome all these obstacles no, as no, I've no. seen my friends have to conquer. Um, and I'm, I'm so grateful for the resources that exist, halfway houses, mm. um, safer mm. foundation, which does help people get yes. employed that exist. It helps us all. It helps yes. everyone in our community for these people to succeed and not to return to prison. Exactly, which is inevitably, well, not perhaps inevitably, but it's too common, isn't it? If you have yes. no food, you have no home, what are you going to do? You're going to yes. probably end up uh, back where you were. Yeah. Right, exactly. So uh, good news story there. Yeah. Less good, and this is another uh, major area where there's uh, a lot happening at the moment in the Red Sea. Uh, I think we mentioned this before, the restrictions to shipping in that area. Many major freight companies have decided not to use the Red Sea Suez Canal route at the moment because there are ongoing attacks by Houthi rebels who believe that ships are headed to supply Israel, the Houthis supporting Hamas in Israel's war with Gaza. The US has called upon the UN Security Council to take immediate action against the Houthi rebels. Its deputy ambassador to the UN, Chris Liu, told the council it is vital that the council speaks with one voice on the need to uphold international law, protect maritime security and the humanitarian support for what is around 21 million people living in neighbouring Yemen. Um, the council called for de-escalation to ensure the safety of seafarers, freedom of navigation and stability of supply chains. And again, as we record, there have been uh, further reports of major raids by Houthi rebels in the Red Sea. So this is a very much a, a live ongoing issue. Oh, and then there's a massive rise in anti-Semitism in Australia since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. They have new laws banning Nazi salutes and wearing Nazi symbols in Australia that went into effect on Monday following a huge surge in anti-Semitism in the country. Last month, the Executive Council of, of Australia Jewelry, representing the country's Jewish community, said that 662 anti-Semitic incidents were reported in October and November of which only five occurred prior to the start of the war. This represents a staggering 738% increase over the same period the previous year. Hmm. Oh, that's disturbing. It is disturbing. General reflections on these stories that we've covered. Let us send intention for all who are grieving for loved ones still missing following the Ishikawa earthquake mm. to be comforted and enveloped in light for world leaders to feel moved to support UN action against Houthi rebels who are attacking vessels in the Red Sea and for all who harbor anti-Semitic feelings in Australia that they will be moved to recognize that hatred against any people is what fuels conflict, not heals it. Mm. I have to say with that particular issue, with the, the Australian um, anti-Semitic situation, I, I actually found coming up with an intention really hard um, it, because I found myself getting into a solution mode, you know, getting political, which we always say we have to kind of steer about. It was... It's a good example of something that perhaps triggers something within you, within 
target your right. own values. Yes. And you have a particular view, but we have to kind of steer away from that. But you had a you had a wonderful suggestion here, Ellen, <laughs> when I raised this with you. Um, that we might will that people in the world, or in Australia in this case, being very specific. This isn't a problem in Australia, I'm sure. Absolutely. It's, it's in many, many other countries. But Well, we're having it in the U.S. too, yeah, the yeah. rise of anti-Semitism. Yes. But here, the story, you know, being specific with uh, intention as we are, mm -hmm. was uh, relating to Australia. But willing that people who hold hate in their heart feel love and grace immediately. I thought that was beautiful. So finally, a good news story to end with. A man in Inner Mongolia, China, went above and beyond to rescue a pregnant horse trapped in a hole in the snow. The man who saw the horse in the area of Columbia, China, quickly called together a number of friends to attempt a rescue. They used a loader equipped with a sturdy rope to very carefully hoist the horse out of its hole. Miraculously, the horse emerged completely unharmed. And I love this. It's reported that the horse appeared to show thanks to her mm. rescuers. <laughs> Witnesses uh, share that as the horse prepared to depart, it turned back and made a gesture that seemed to convey a heartfelt thank you to its rescuer. We'll put a link to a video capturing the rescue in our show notes. Love oh, that, that story. gave me chills. I know. And, you know, I, I, I was actually, I, I used to be mad about horses. I know it's a girl thing, supposedly, but I used to be mad about horses no. as well. I used to ride, and um, I definitely associated with this story that I would have done absolutely everything. I'm not quite sure I'm quite as mad about horses. I love them, but I'm not quite sure I would have quite as mad as I used to be. And I, I, think, uh, I think I came to realize they, they, their main, uh, Main joy in life is is being in a field with their with their pals and, and and not with humans particularly and it's with some reluctance sometimes they let us ride them but the most it's, majestic and wonderful creatures. It's beautiful. Yeah, and I know in the Mongolia here, but uh, the Mongol people traditionally very closely associated with horses and loving their horses. Really, really, they are a part of the family. So it's not surprising perhaps that uh, there was this real heart pull to actually do what they could to rescue the horse. And isn't Lovely. it wonderful? I mean, I'd, sometimes I'd, I'm going to sound all self-righteous here. <laughs> but I'm sure many of us do this. If an insect falls into a glass, you know, on a summer's day, I, I tend to try and do what I can to fish it out and give it a chance. And it's really very satisfying, very uplifting and pleasing when, when, when you find, yes, it's been able to dry off a little bit and take wing again. Well, you're talking to a vegetarian, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> Do all I can to uh, keep our little creatures alive. Absolutely. That about wraps it up for this week. Remember, you can connect with us in the Facebook group and for live intention holding in Clive's daily insight timer offerings and with me in the Labyrinth Activist Network's Zoom calls. Details of how to hook up with these are in our show notes. And don't forget our main intention for this week in response to the conflict in Venezuela and Guyana, that the leaders will make good their agreement last month to avoid military action or any escalation of their dispute over Essequibo. Thank you for listening and for sharing with us in holding intentions. We look forward to connecting again next time. In the meantime, thank you, go well, stay safe. And remember, 
we're more powerful together. Impact is presented by Ellen Vince and Clive Johnson and produced by Impact Productions. Our theme music is by Chris Collins and our logo artwork is by Auto Classic. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible or your favorite podcast provider. We're a non-commercial podcast dedicated to people of any faith tradition or none who yearn for healing in our troubled world. Please pass on the word so others may join us in making an impact. Thank you for listening.